the Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler show you what it takes to become a top 10% performer in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. We have Dr. Kathy Greenberg on the line also. Between Kathy and I... We have helped thousands of executives to perform in the top 10%. We're really excited for today's show. We have Dr. Jeffrey Swartz also on the line. We're going to be talking about brain neuroscience, leadership, and Dr. Swartz is a research psychiatrist at the School of Medicine at the University of California uh, at Los Angeles and one of the world leading experts in neuroplasticity. We'll get him to define that. Decades ago, he began the study he began to study the philosophy of conscious awareness, the idea that across the actions of the mind have an effect on the workings of the brain. Just breakthrough work in obsessive-compulsive disorder, OCD as it's called, provided the hard evidence that the mind can control the brain's chemistry. He has lectured extensively to both professional lay audiences in the U.S., Europe, Asia. He has a few books. Uh, one is The Mind and the Brain, Neuroplasticity and the Power of Mental Focus. And then also Brain Lock, Free Yourself from Obsessive Compulsive Disorder, which is the seminal book on OCD. He is, uh, has been a co-organizer of a new conference, the Conference on Neuroleadership, and uh, Jeff is based in Santa Monica. So Kathy and I always want to bring you the best in current leadership topics, interviews with proven leaders to provide evidence-based best practices to help you develop more leaders in your organization. Now let me welcome my co-host, Kathy, Dr. Kathy Greenberg. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Relly. Thanks for having us all here today together. I'm very excited uh, to meet uh, Dr. Jeffrey Schwartz. And I have to tell you, the subject of um, our show today is a fascinating one, and it's one I'm going to be deeply listening to. You know, all of our shows are about what we can do to help you create the best leaders in your organization. And Relly and I know that leaders are the heartbeat of any organization, but most leaders will often underestimate just how much influence they have over others, and thus they and their teams can sometimes underperform. But doing just a few things differently, like we're going to hear about today, can dramatically improve your performance. All of our shows focus on one of the following topics, such as how to develop more leaders, what happy companies know about performance, what emotional intelligence and positive psychology strategies can do to create winning formulas for you and your company. We talk about brain and neuroscience contributions to top performance. That's our hot topic today. We talk about generation and gender differences, work-life balances, and self-management tools to be your best, plus many more tools and tips. So, Relly, why don't we talk a little bit about today's show, and welcome, Jeffrey. Jeffrey, welcome to the show. Yes, hi, Relly and Kathy. We're going to ask you some extensive questions in a moment, but uh, before we bring you on, we just want to give some of the evidence-based uh, facts about leadership development. And we know that leaders have anywhere from 50 to 70% influence over the climate of the team. And so the reason is emotions are contagious, and leaders are the emotional thermostat for their team. Uh, 
the key to being a star performer, typically as we define, that's someone in the top 10%, is this aspect of emotional intelligence. And the further you move up in an organization, the more people need emotional intelligence when compared to IQ and technical expertise. And why are we talking so much about leadership? We know that if you can get leaders into the top 10%, they will produce twice as much revenue to the organizations as managers in the 11th and 89th percentile. Both Kathy and I are certified coaches, and we know that when you add um, coaching to training, training is, is very valuable, can help get a, about a 22% increase in productivity. But when you add coaching to it, some of the research shows it's about an 88% bump in productivity. And we also know that you can increase profit by creating coaching networks inside your company in just one day. Studies have shown that happiness is tied to profit by more than 93%. And like Kathy mentioned, we're trying to give you some small things that you can do different. A lot of times we call these micro-initiatives that can create a macro impact. And if you're interested in more information about Dr. Kathy Greenberg, she's at www.h2c leadership for her happiness books tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching services. And if you're interested in more information about me, my website is www.truenorthleadership for emotional intelligence books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching boot camps. So now let me take an opportunity to do a little more extensive uh, background for Dr. Jeffrey Swartz. He is a MD and Associate Research Professor of Psychiatry at the UCLA School of Medicine and a fellow with the International Society for Complexity, Information, and Design. Dr. Swartz is a seminal thinker and researcher in the field of self-directed neuroplasticity. He is the author of almost 100 scientific publications in the fields of neuroscience and psychiatry and several popular books. His major research interest over the last two decades has been uh, brain imaging, functional neuroanatomy, and cognitive behavior therapy with a focus on the pathological mechanisms and the psychological treatment of obsessive-compulsive disorder, OCD. Uh, Dr. Swartz received honors in philosophy from the University of Rochester and in the, 19, in the 1970s began to immerse himself in the Buddhist philosophy, in particular the philosophy of mindfulness or conscious awareness. This is the idea that the mind is an active participant in the world and that when actions of the mind have an effect on the workings of the brain. It became his goal to find a scientific underpinning for the belief that mindfulness affects how the brain works. In the 1990s at UCLA, he made a key discovery that this four-step cognitive behavioral therapy, which we'll get a little more information about, he pioneered is capable of changing activities in specific brain circuit of patients with obsessive-compulsive disorder. And he did this with some of the PET uh, scans. After publishing his findings in scientific journals in the mid-90s, Dr. Swartz used this discovery, which is becoming a widely utilized treatment for OCD and has been corroborated by other research teams as a basis for his past best-selling book, Brain Lock, which uh, leads readers through the four-step cognitive behavioral therapy that he devised. Dr. Swartz's breakthrough in the OCD uh, provided hard evidence that the mind can control the brain's chemistry, and we'll get a lot more information about that. He has lectured widely through the U.S., Europe, Asia, uh, both professional and lay audiences. Dr. Swartz's most recent academic writing has been in the field of philosophy of mind, specifically on the role of volition in human neurobiology. He has been a devoted practitioner of mindfulness meditation 
in the Pali Buddhist tradition for over 30 years. His strongest current interests are the philosophical theology of Dietrich Bonhoeffer and the role of Christian meditation in enhancing mindful awareness and its effect on mind-brain relations. Dr. Swartz, welcome to the call. Yes, hi. I just want to make one <laughs> correction. Sure, sure. More for institutional than personal reasons, believe me, when I tell you that. Um, my actual title is Research Psychiatrist okay. at University of California, Los Angeles. Okay. Even better. My, uh, my former friend and uh, ex-husband, Dr. Dieter Steckless, used to be uh, the researcher in the Department of Psychiatry at Sepulveda VA Hospital, and so I understand how these things uh, are important, and I also understand a little bit about the brain and really want to learn a lot more from you today. So can we, can we talk a, a little bit, Jeff, about, um, about you and how, how you came to work in the field you're in now? 30 years is a long time to be dedicated to the field of brain science and behavior. Yeah. <laughs> In the last couple of years, it's really started to feel a long time. Um, <laughs> let's just say, actually, there's a lot of different directions you can go with that. I, I just will say up front, and, and uh, I know we're going to try to keep all the psychology positive, and that's a good thing, but, I mean, 30 years ago, actually, um, the field of brain research was a little bit more, shall we say, aligned with um, my beliefs then and my beliefs now than it's been in, say, the last, 10 to 15 years, and maybe later on we could talk a bit about what's happened and huh. why, at least my take on that. But, okay. but um, yeah, I started, uh, I started doing neuropsychiatry right in my first year of medical school, which is 1974 I started medical school. So it's getting to be 35 years. And, um, and I guess... Um, it, I mean, I got I got an honors degree in philosophy, as as you said, and and I I certainly really from my youngest days I was particularly interested. Actually, it's funny to say a triumvirate. I mean, if you're going to make a, a transition from adolescence into sort of young adulthood with me, I mean, the first thing I ever really really knew, uh, other than my 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 bar mitzvah service when I was 13 because I was bar mitzvah as an Orthodox Jew and I was and that had a big influence on my brain and a very positive one so I do like to say that I mean the study to do an Orthodox bar mitzvah at the age of 12 and then when you turn 13 and as long as we're talking about neuroplasticity it gives me an oral opportunity to say a word about that I mean I, I think that learning learning the Jewish practice and rituals and the Hebrew, even though at that age I didn't really understand what it meant, um, learning it anyway. So, so somebody might say, well, you know, how could it be so important if you don't even really know what it means? Um, well, it just goes to show you that a lot of things are important even though you don't understand why. Maybe that's a big message for young people right there. Um, that That act of learning the rituals and learning the the texts and learning them in the kind of detail and and learning how to chant or to use the Jewish word daven them in the proper way and going to services every every Saturday um, for years in preparation and looking forward all of those things have a big effect on your focus of attention and so I would say that 
perhaps the earliest positive aspects of neuroplasticity in my life were preparation for an orthodox bar mitzvah. You know, Jeff, um, I went through a similar process, got bar mitzvah also, and it, and it was a whole new learning process to learn a different language. And at that time, I, much, I would much rather have been out playing sports than studying Hebrew. Um, but from the learning standpoint, maybe for our listeners, how would you define neuroplasticity? What is that? Yeah, you're right. I used that word, and you said that. Uh, that's a very, that's a very good point because that's a word that you kind of see around now. Um, you see a lot of words around that don't quite get used properly, <laughs> and I'm kind of I, sometimes I get it to be a bit of a stickler about that, especially among people who call themselves Buddhists nowadays. You see a lot of that, but but um. Neuroplasticity um, is, is a term that really is actually a pretty old one. I mean, it's been around for quite a couple of decades now in neuroscience. And what it means in, in animal neuroscience research, um, and in some aspects, obviously, of human neuroscience research, um, because all, all aspects of animal neuroscience research have some applicability to human neuroscience research. And what, and what, it, what it means is that, in the traditional understanding, is that if you change in the environment of an animal and you change the, the, the basically the context of behavior in which an animal is acting, you can see brain changes that happen because of that. Jeffrey, hold that thought for one minute. And we're going to come right back to Leadership Development News with Dr. Jeffrey Schwartz. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. 
formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and H2C to your team, visit her blog at kathygreenberg.com. That's Kathy with a C, Greenberg.com. And click on the H2C link. Once upon a time, there lived three energy hogs. Now, an energy hog is what you have when humans waste energy. One day, the three energy hogs set out to find themselves a cottage. Let's look for leaky windows, said the first energy hog, for he knew that would waste energy. Let's look for leaky doors, said the second. Let's look for a swing set, said the third, for he had more blubber than brains. So they set off down the road. Presently, they came upon a tiny cottage where dwelled a clever girl named Dreadilocks. I hope it has leaky windows, cried the first energy hog. I hope it has leaky doors, cried the second. I hope it has a bathroom, cried the third, for only his brains were smaller than his bladder. But Dreadilocks liked playing cool games at energyhog.org. And from energyhog.org, she learned how to use energy wisely. So the three energy hogs were forced to look elsewhere to waste energy and had to use the disgusting restroom at the gas station down the road. And the moral of the story is, to use energy wisely, log on to energyhog.org or waste not, hog not. This public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. This is Ed Hanway, CEO of Signet Corporation. Join us in celebrating all babies, those born healthy, and those who need help to survive. Go to marchofdimes.com and tell your special baby's story. Read other stories, too. And while you're there, learn how you can help the March of Dimes fight premature birth and give babies a healthy start. What a wonderful way to celebrate babies. Marchofdimes.com. Internet's only all business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. We have Dr. Kathy Greenberg on the line, and we're talking with Dr. Jeffrey Swartz. And just before the break, Jeffrey was was uh, defining neuroplasticity. And maybe we can go back to that, Jeff, just so our listeners can kind of get sure, a just, so for just that. to finish that up. I mean, so in animal neuroscience, basically the long study of of the and now molecular biology, there's been a, a very large, so very very micro level study of neuroplasticity in animal research. And so basically what you're looking at there is the effect of the environment and effective changes in environment on how the brain works. So it's extremely well, it's extremely well documented that if, if, if you make changes, as I say, in the context in which behaviors occur, you will get changes in brain structure that basically are caused by changes in essentially environment. So that part of it is extremely well-established and intensively studied. But the part that I think is much more 
relevant to business and it's certainly and certainly to the issue of leadership is is that I basically took that what was already a, a well developed field over ten years ago and and um it's become even more developed in the in the in the last decade decade and a half and and but i have applied a a important change in that for specifically human beings for people and and that is i coined this term self directed neuroplasticity mm-hmm. and that's really important because that's what as uniquely human be people we don't have to just depend on environmental change to have our brain change. We can change our own brain. And, and so this really is the big, big, big point. Um, the fact that environment changes the brain is interesting, and it's important, too. Of course it's important. But what's even more important is, is that you can change your own brain by creating your own environment, very much including internal environment, and the key point turns out to be focus of attention rewires the brain. So focus of attention is the big dynamical tool, and the word dynamic means power. So the big tool of power is the power is in the focus, and that can be for good or for bad, and it's really important to remember that because if you focus your attention on things that are good and helpful and conducive to good leadership, then you'll wire your brain to be a good leadership brain. But the opposite is also true. If if you waste your energy and focus your attention on this and that and 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 have a sort of a wasteful utilization of your attentional resources, then you're going to wire your brain in the other direction. And it's the more the longer you do it, the harder it is to overcome. So neuroplasticity in a leadership context really does mean how you focus your attention changes how your brain works for good and for bad. So tell us um, again as you were starting to, so who might be some of the leaders that you've come across in your life uh, that have um, kind of enabled you to think differently and philosophically about this whole idea of neuroscience, neuroplasticity? Well, I mean, I mean, obviously in some ways there could be a a, a too long answer to that question. So let me just kind of cut, cut to the chase, and 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 because obviously there's a whole history that goes into studying philosophy. But as you said in the introduction, the person in the last couple of years who has had a tremendous influence on my thinking about about leadership and the relationship between the mind and the brain is is the great Christian theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and. Without getting into you know too deep a detail on that, the point really does become the role of faith in the choices you make in how you focus your attention. And I think let me just say a few words about Bonhoeffer because not everybody knows who he is, and and that that's a completely fair thing. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was was um, a Lutheran theologian who was born in 1906, and and the thing that's really uniquely important about him is is that he became deeply involved in the the plot to kill Hitler in dur- during World War II but Hitler came to power in January of 1933 and and Bonhoeffer in fact was one of the very 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 first people right from the very beginning who saw that there was a real extremely important harsh contradiction between what Hitler represented and the Judeo-Christian ethic. And 
So even as, as, as quite a young man, he, because of his tremendous genius and, and because he was also one of the great religious thinkers, one of the great Christian theologians of the 20th century, he really applied his deep understanding, especially of Judeo-Christian ethics, to fighting Hitler right from the very beginning. And, and the thing that's really important to learn from him, I think, as a leader is the tremendous flexibility that he had in terms of how he approached this terrible problem. Because he's, of course, as you would expect a young Christian theologian to be, he was dedicated to pacifism and to peaceful resistance in the early days. And, and, and so, of course, he tried for the whole period of the early parts of the 30s to resist Hitler by peaceful means. But then, after Kristallnacht in 1938, he really had, you know, a moment of light flash in his mind that said, Hitler cannot just be re- resisted by peaceful means. We-, we-, we must use a more active means of-, of resistance. And gradually, he worked out what to do about that, and became involved in a plot to assassinate Hitler and became deeply involved in it. And obviously there's a lot of deep history around that, and the plot failed, and all the people who were involved in the plot, including Bonhoeffer and his brothers-in-laws and many members of his family and many, many other people, were all executed and right at the very end of the war in, in April of 1945. So I would say that for leadership purposes, there are many, many... There are many, many lessons to be learned from the life of Bonhoeffer. But two of them are, faith is extremely important, and, and faith in, in God is extremely important if you want to really have the kind of ethical grounding that it takes to really make good decisions and, 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 and maintain a balance between the ethics of of. of, of that you need to follow, and the results that you need to produce. And then the other big lesson is you need to be flexible. And, and, and if you see that, that your proposed approach, even if your proposed approach is right, is, is, is ethically very sound and, and, and under many circumstances would produce the proper results, if it's not producing the necessary results, then you must change your strategy. And... and Sometimes you have to change that strategy in ways that goes far beyond what you ever thought you would need to do. And, and so those two things, faith, ethics on the one hand, and flexibility and assessing how you're approaching your goal on the other. And I've just given a very thumbnail summary, but th- those are two very, very important foundations for good leadership, in my opinion. That's great uh, hearing about that, Jeff. And, and so let's, let's kind of... Uh, Get the other side of this because I know it sounds like from the introduction you have a long history and studies with Buddhism that's also influenced your thinking about the brain. So maybe that that'll kind of bring us the historical piece, and then we can kind of get to some of the questions just about the work you're doing today. Yeah. Now my 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 background with with Buddhism is not just historical. I mean, it, it certainly is personally historical, but but it is certainly a philosophy that I I very much still have a, a great. Um, uh, scientific, you might say, or, or cognitive um, 
uh, adherence to the truth of it. I think that, that in terms of understanding the relationship between the mind and the brain, um, and I, I, I do want to be very clear here, though, that I'm talking about classical, and I'm very specific about this and assertive about it. I'm talking about classical, what I call pre-Christian Buddhist practice. So it's very important to remember that Gotama, who, who, who the Buddhists call the Buddha, is a, is a person who obviously you know lived in northern India, and, and, and the point is that he lived approximately four to 500 years B.C., so in the pre-Christian era. So the kind of Buddhist philosophy that where mindfulness, where what is called mindfulness properly understood really is deeply, deeply worked out, and, and all the practices described in great detail, as, as, as you mentioned in the introduction, in the texts that are written in the Pali language, which is spelled P-A-L-I, which is a dialect of Sanskrit. And yes, for 30 years, I have studied that language and, 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 and utilized those practices, and, 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 and now I'm really, really interested in finding an interface between those pre-Christian practices and, and, and Christian practices within a Judeo-Christian ethical frame. And, and so the point is, I would say that the point of excellence of, of Theravada, and that's the proper name for it, which means the teaching of the elders. Tera means elders. Vada basically means speaking or teaching. So the Theravada Buddhist tradition which which is the, the classical Buddhist tradition, some would call it the fundamentalist Buddhist tradition, and that's actually not unreasonable, is, is, is that how you focus your attention has huge effects on another very important word in Buddhist philosophy, and that word is karma. And this is a word that everybody knows. I mean, it's actually in the English dictionaries nowadays. It's actually become a part of the English language. But, but a lot of people don't really understand what it really means. And, and I hear the music, so I'll just finish That's up quickly. Right. That karma means will. So the point is how you focus your attention is a choice of your will. So you make karma by how you focus your attention. Excellent. We're going to come right back to Leadership Development News right after this message with Dr. Jeffrey Schwartz. The Bottom Line in Business, Voice America Business. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. 
formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and H2C to your team, visit her blog at kathygreenberg.com. That's Kathy with a C, Greenberg.com. And click on the H2C link. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Adding fractions is nothing. For real? Look. These are denominators. You multiply this one so that it's the same as that, then you add them up. Man, that's easy. Charles Bennett dreamed of returning to the old neighborhood as a teacher. But without money for college, only half of his dream came true. He's back in the old neighborhood. Well, enough math. I gotta deliver these sandwiches. Please support the United Negro College Fund. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. A message from the UNCF and the Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Dr. Jeffrey Swartz. And before the break, we're talking about uh, how your focus leads to karma and, and how karma can lead to the will, attentional will. And maybe, uh, Jeff, you can follow up on that and around how that leads into focus. And I know as a research base, a lot of it sounds like the research you did with OCD also helped in looking about the power of focus and how uh, intentional will fits in yes absolutely i mean that that i mean that so so yes yeah, so just to complete that point yeah. say a very fast thing about the ocd because i mean that that in one way that's a big topic but we're not here to talk about that but what some people seem to be rather interested in is the interface between this and the quantum physics and and there and there is a very real relationship there so so let me just tie those three things okay. together sort of like quickly and sort of in a user-friendly way um now this word karma Let's just let's just finish clarifying that. The critical point about karma 
and and there there is of course a law of karma, and 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 the law of karma is is the center point of all of Buddhist ethics. And and just to give a the thumbnail translation of what Gautama Buddha said was the law of karma, and it's this: whatever willful actions you do, good or evil, that's really important. The Buddha always said that karma was either either going to be good or evil. And it also could be neutral, but the neutral isn't as important. The point is, the karma you do, which is the will that you make, because karma really does mean volition, it means will. He's very assertive about that, the Buddha is. Karma means your will. And then he's also very, very assertive to say that karma comes in two varieties, good and evil. He always says that. And the whole Buddhist psychology splits consciousness into two varieties, wholesome and unwholesome. And so the state of your will really is going to either have a wholesome or unwholesome, a good or evil, broader context. This is very important because one of the things about mindful awareness, why is mindful awareness important? Mindful awareness is important in Buddhist psychology, precisely because it allows you to make judgments for yourself with a clear mind about whether your state of will and your state of consciousness and your attention in this moment is for wholesome or unwholesome purposes, whether it's informed by a good or evil intent. And and so that becomes very, very important. And and one of the things that's really gone wrong with pop Buddhism, the Buddhism that has become so popular, and one of my deep criticisms of certain of the leaders who have become big names in the field, um, on the American side, on the Western side, not in the Asian side, not in the indigenous side, but in the Asian side, they always make this distinction between good and evil karma and good and evil qualities of attention. To the degree that you lose that awareness, that mindfulness really entails making a judgment about the moral quality of your attention, it's not Buddhism anymore. It's fake. It's phony. You don't want to go there. Jeffrey, let me ask you a question. Expectations um, are often said to shape reality. Yes. Um, And... And when we say this, it's, a, it's another point um, that you also write about. So what does, what does that mean, and how can a leader use this expectation shapes reality now that, that's in, in the context of what you've just been talking about? Very good. That's extremely informative. Okay, there's been a lot of brain science, actually, lately. And this is really, really interesting. It allows us to bring some brain science into this. Because, because this issue of expectation and how it influences how the brain works is where you get this direct connectivity between leadership, ethical foundation, and how the brain works. Now, to just quickly review some, in overview, a, a whole bunch of research that's been done in the last five to ten years there is a now very large and extremely convincing database involving now numerous experiments that show in general that if you expect basically um, an outcome where you might say there's 
a positive or what's even, I think, more important, an, an, an ability for a person to have an influence on the cognitive context by using cognitive relabeling techniques so that you can put an, a, 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 an experience in either a controllable or uncontrollable, which often does actually come to a, a, a user-friendly or a out-of-control, scary context. That expectation alone of, I can handle this, or this is, this is something I can't handle, that context alone radically changes the way the brain responds to a circumstance. So that in a classic experiment, that was done um, at Stanford in the laboratory of James Gross by uh, Kevin Oxner, who was then there as a postdoctoral fellow. Um, if you view upsetting auto accident photos, but view them with the context of an, um, as if you were an emergency medical technician, namely, I, can, I, I have to keep my emotions in control, I have to be able to provide service, I, have to, you know, I can't let my emotions get the better of me, I have to basically do my job here. Forget even being a real emergency medical technician, just taking a normal college student and having them tell themselves they're going to respond to the photo like that completely changes the way the brain responds to this upsetting photo from being a very emotional, fear-laden response with responses from the amygdala, which is very related to fear. You can completely eliminate that amygdala fear response and, and, and make the response a frontal cortex executive function response just by changing your expectation of the fact that you're going to be able to handle this emotional input rationally, intelligently, keep your cool and calm wits about you. Now you can see how that could relate to, to the notion of a wholesome versus an unwholesome focus of attention. So the point is, when you have a positive expectation of the fact that you're going to be able to manage the circumstance constructively, that puts you in a frame of mind to willfully focus your attention in constructive ways. And when you willfully focus your attention in constructive ways, here's the big take-home point. It makes your brain work more from the executive function side than from the destructive emotion side. You get more of the upper, higher, uniquely human mm -hmm. brain responses rather than the lower animal, fear, amygdala responses. And, and so how you contextualize the ex expectations you have radically change how the brain responds, responds to very emotional, stressful circumstances. And when you have a positive expectation of being able to manage the circumstance, circumstance rationally in, a, in an ethically coherent, wholesome way, that allows the brain to respond with higher advanced executive function, not lower fear animal function. Very important. So, point. Jeffrey, this is, this is huge, and it ties into some of the things that Kathy and I have had in other shows, just about when people get hijacked by the amygdala, and we've said they, they, they lose IQ points. No executive wants to lose IQ points. No leader wants to lose IQ points. But so what you're saying is, around is their expectations, if they can manage their own impulse control, if they can stay calm, they can calm others, they get back these 
these IQ points Absolutely. And, and can make really solid That's the decisions. whole point. Expectation has a very, very large effect on whether amygdala hijack occurs or not. Mm-hmm. You see, that's what, the, that's what the more recent research has clearly, clearly shown, that this, that this emotional, um, you know, amygdala hijack, and it's a pretty reasonable term, you know, and I'll give Goldman credit where, where it's due. I mean, mm-hmm. He coined that term. I mean, he's got a lot of mileage out of it. Good for him. But, but I mean, it, and it is a useful term. But the point is that, and here's here's where I, you know, maybe part company a bit from from those people because I think they're too materialist and too reductive in 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 how they approach that brain data. Because the point is. With proper training and proper contextualization, you have a lot of control over whether um, amygdala hijack occurs. And, and so the power of mindful awareness, the power of faith, is when you really believe that, that you can handle it, that, 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 you know, God is there to help you, that, you know, Jesus is there to help you, whatever your belief system is there to genuinely help you respond in a wholesome way, when you have that expectation, that itself prevents, really, really helps to guard against the amygdala hijack occurring. And and so the, the key really becomes not just the amygdala hijack per se, but what you can do in terms of training and, and faith and belief to really modulate whether amygdala hijack occurs in your brain or not. And that's what's really important. So, Jeffrey, in relationship to this, you also talk about um, attention density, okay? So if, I would assume that attention density is a an, an alternative coping mechanism. Well, no, actually, uh, yeah, it's not even alternative. Attention density is how this happens. So, so okay, so that's the ne- so that at the next level of theoretical grounding. Okay, so here I was. I mean, I was in a situation where okay, now I'm realizing you can use mindful awareness. You 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 you, you can use um, you know constructive uses of faith. To, to manage this amygdala hijack. So then I had to ask, ask the question, well, theoretically, how does that happen? Be, be, because in, 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 in an old-fashioned neuroscience sense, there's no way for that to happen. Because the old-fashioned neuroscience, which is materialist and reductive, says the brain is going to do what the brain is going to do. And, of course, I completely disagree with that. So, so then I was in a position where I had to sort of search out other theoretically oriented people, and I was very, very fortunate uh, over 10 years ago to, to come into contact with Henry Stapp, a great quantum physicist at University of California, Berkeley, and we have been working very, very closely for over 10 years now. And this attention density term came out of my work of grounding this awareness faith base in a theoretical frame, namely quantum physics, that allows us to understand how attention changes the brain. And attention density is the answer to that. So attention density works by basically saying, and I'll just finish because I hear the music, when you focus your attention, which basically means concentrate your attention, and that's what attention density means, that empowers you to stabilize your brain function, and I'll say more about it after the break. Perfect. Love it. We'll be right back with Dr. Jeffrey Schwartz, and we'll uh, hear some more about this attention density. We're on Leadership Development News. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. 
Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and H2C to your team, visit her blog at kathygreenberg.com. That's Kathy with a C, Greenberg.com. And click on the H2C link. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Dad, let's sing that bedtime song. Rock-a-bye, baby, by Newton's treetop. His first law of motion, make sure you won't stop. The same rules of physics apply to a ball. While gravity is a force that makes things fall. By the sixth grade, many girls lose interest in math and science, but it's never too early to set your daughter's future in motion. For some simple ideas, go to girlsgotech.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Girl Scouts of USA and Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. (laughs) 
Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're having a fascinating conversation with Dr. Jeffrey Schwartz. One of the things that we wanted to check in with, just your expertise, one of the things that's uh, very popular is the secret, the law of attraction. We want to get your perspective, Dr. Swartz, just about you know, what's, what are some of the uh, uh, good possibilities about this and any limits you may see from this. Okay, well, I mean, I, first of all, let me just stay right up front. I mean, I don't, I don't know, you know, very much about this. I mean, I, I didn't even see it on Oprah, you know. So, so I mean, but, 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 you know, I, I have heard about it, of course, because you know, it's kind of hard not to. And, and I do see some, I, I see, do, I do see some theoretical relationship okay. between what we're talking about with attention density and, and, and focus of attention and. And what and how I understand they're talking about the secret, but the key point is exactly the point that we were making earlier on in the show that with attention and with karma, you always have to be aware of the difference between the wholesome and the unwholesome karma, and the, which means the wholesome and unwholesome states of your will. Now, if 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 by focusing your attention in in ways that are wholesome, I have absolutely I I, I believe wholeheartedly. That it, that if if you focus your attention in ways that are wholesome, you will create um, circumstances physically and even I believe metaphysically. So so in that, I am not a materialist. I mean, you 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 create circumstances for good to happen. But if you're sitting there applying your you, you know attention for material gain solely, or for you know getting this or that material object, or or this or that. Thing having to do solely with with, with 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 money alone. I mean, and 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 not even the good that you you will do with that that money if you're fortunate enough to come by it. I mean, just your own personal possessions, your 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 your, your own sense of self in, in in some narrow sense. Well, then then you're having unwholesome uh, attention, and and with unwholesome attention, you're gonna the secret's gonna be you're gonna create a lot of problems for yourself and for others. There's a big secret for you. I mean, the secret is that if you focus your attention in ways that are informed by greed, you're going to have unwholesome outcome from that. Right. So, uh, right. you know, 
you know, let's be real clear about what that secret is, okay? Because, I mean, they should be shouting that from the rooftops. I mean, the secret is if you're wholesome, you're going to have positive outcomes. But if you're greedy, you're going to have negative outcomes. So, you know, let's get the secret lined up with the relationship between good and evil, and maybe it'll do some good in the world, and not, and not, and not what it seems to me it's often done, which is in, enhance people's greed and acquisitiveness. No, absolutely. And just let me add to that, um, Jeffrey. You know, currently there's a CNN special with Christian Amanpour that takes place in Burma, and it's called Buddha's Warriors. And it's all about how the Buddhist monks in Burma have been trying to change the political venue there. And they, you know, and they go through extreme discomfort, death, suffering. Yep. I mean, so, so to your point, you know, it's the, it's the wholesome nature of the thought and how you use that with the limits we have as human beings to understand. It's not always for our gain. It has to be for the better good of well, all. Well, there it is. I mean, amen to that. I mean, yeah, I mean, those monks, I mean, you know, the Sangha, you know, in Burma, you know, has largely been, you know, extraordinarily constructive. Um, I mean, I mean, it, 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 you know, it's it's the main way in, in which the people have been represented against this, you know, fiercely totalitarian, violent, vicious government. And 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 yeah, and, and what we all saw was was you know the terrible price to be paid because because I mean, you know, when you know the violence and hatred that got got poured out on on on. on on the, the, those monks who resisted, you, you know, cre- created tremendous suffering. So, yeah, I mean, that's it. Let's remember the sacrifices. Let's remember the sacrifices that get made by by wholesome people, by good people in the struggle against evil. There's a secret for you. There I you mean, go. that's what and we should be thinking about. And the reality is it takes a long time to change a hardwired habit and to get a brain to change. And I think with a little bit of time that we have left, it would be great to talk about what steps does a leader take to begin to, to if you will, change a hardwired brain and develop well, I mean, habits? It's funny because this could lead, I mean, one simple way to get to that, I mean, and obviously it's something that I like because, I mean, it's right from, my, you know, the, the method that I use for helping people with obsessive-compulsive disorder, which is, I mean, this four-step method that I have of relabel, reattribute, refocus, revalue. I mean, I mean, one of the big things that I'm doing right now is really showing that it has implications far, far, far beyond helping people with OCD, as important as that has certainly been. So the issue is that if you relabel your, your, the, the context in which things are happening so that you can see that, if you can see that, say, you're... you're you're getting fear. You can, if, you, if, if the term amygdala hijack helps you realize that, that your emotions are getting the better of you, well, then great. Then, then that's a very useful term for you. But the point is that it's not the amygdala hijack that's per se. It's important. It, what's important is that you're relabeling, recontextualizing, and you're realizing that your emotions are now getting the better of you. Now, as soon as you realize that, you can go on to the reattribute and realize, okay, this is just my brain. It doesn't have to be me. I am not my brain. I mean, that is one of the most important important aspects of all of this teaching. You are not your brain. I mean, a big part of what your brain does is just animal response. I mean, it's hardwired. You don't have to be that, but if you don't refocus your attention, you will be that, and that's one of the biggest of all the points is that you will be acting like an animal unless you spend the effort 
to relabel, recontextualize, use cognitive reframing, and focus your attention on positive, adaptive ways of responding, which is what you've been training yourself all along to do in, in all the practices that you've been learning, the, the various coping skills that you've been learning. So there's a huge relationship between prior training, the capacity to recontextualize, relabel, and then realizing I am not my brain, let me focus my attention in uniquely human positive ways and allow me to transcend my animal brain. I mean, that's the big thing that we want to be doing is, is using focus of attention to transcend our animal brain. Let me ask you this last question before we end. So how long would that normally take? Let's say someone did this diligently daily. You know, how long would it take to kind of get some of that rewiring? No, I mean, it, it's all a matter of days. I mean, you, I mean, you could learn. I mean, you could learn in. I mean, in things that make a palpable difference. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, even basic training in 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 relaxation concentration is going to make a difference. I mean, it's a matter of degree. But if you're talking about changes that really make a difference, you you can learn in a couple of hours changes that are going to make a difference, and and then and then it goes from there. I mean, all the way on to like you're saying, being a Buddhist warrior or a Christian soldier, I mean, you, you know, then it's a lifetime effort, you know, but, but it begins with the first step, and even the first step in the first couple of minutes and hours makes it a palpable difference, so it makes a difference right away, and, and then the rest of it becomes, you know, to use, you know, T.S. Eliot's phrase, prayer, observance, discipline, thought, and action, you know, and, and then you improve and improve and improve. Well, this has been this has been fascinating, and Jeffrey, maybe before we end, just can you can let us know how to get if you want to get in touch with your books or any uh, your. Oh, we um, have a website, brainsonpurpose.org. Oh, good. Just go to our website, brainsonpurpose.org, that I do with Stephanie West Allen. Okay, great. Well, thank you, Jeffrey. It's been great having you here on Leadership Development News. We appreciate it. It's very, been very fun. Much. Thanks a lot. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, Jeff. Take care. We're we'll signing off. This is Leadership Development News. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you're leaving us today with some great ideas and inspiration from today's top leaders. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.